I think you got to work with those intersections instead of run from them. You know what? I think um, if you if you share the privilege, mm-hmm. right? So, like, if I'm if uh, sometimes I'll be the fake boyfriend. So yeah. if we're are right, and you know, a woman is like, you know, you meet somebody and they're cool, and they're like, oh, could you be my fake boyfriend? Because yep. I don't really want to be harassed tonight. Now, she shouldn't need a fake boyfriend not to be harassed. She should be able to go to a bar and Correct. enjoy stuff regardless. Yeah. You know what I mean? But if I can lend her my privilege so she can have a good time, yeah. then by all means. I love that. That gives some that gives me some really good words, which I'm, I'm going to do what every uh, pastor or religious figure does, which is steal other smart people's words and use them. <laughs> well, I'm going to use that analogy like of sharing the privilege. Hi, my name is Leo WT, and you have found your way to the Conversations podcast. Conversations exist to create spiritually minded conversations about life. We desire to create safe space for dialogue and community. We desire to come together regularly and intentionally to generate conversations about life, belief, and the intersection of the two. Everyone is welcome at the conversation. Hey friends, what's up? My name is Leo WT and I am here with Conversations. We're doing a pre-recorded episode today, but I'm really excited uh, for the guests that we have on today. I could not be more pumped to talk to my friend that you see here on the screen. Basically, I am just a, a random queer person living in rural Western New York who's trying to be an ally and trying to do what I can while I'm here, even though I never wanted to end up here, right? I didn't want to come back from the city to here, but here we are. Um, and so I, what I found when I uh, saw my friend here on um, on Facebook was actually a, a person who has a lot of similar practicalities, but we come from different social constructs in terms of race and in terms of urban versus rural. And so I thought, you know what, I'm going to reach out to this dude, toss a Hail Mary and see if he'll come on my podcast. And lo and behold, he said yes. So um, I'm really pumped for this conversation today. And I'm going to go ahead and let my guest introduce himself. Hey, uh, my name is Alexander Wright. Uh, I'm the founder of the African Heritage Food Co-op, as well as the owner of Legacy Farms um, out in Franklinville, New York. And I'm sure we'll probably get into that a little bit more later on. Super excited to be here um, and kind of hang out. Uh, You know, it's funny, we started in doing stuff in Franklinville, and then I got an inbox from this Leo guy, and I'm like, who's Leo? And, uh, you know, and we're here. So I'm very excited. I'm excited about uh, being here and looking forward to this conversation. Absolutely. I just started. Um, so it was actually it came up on my time hop yesterday. So a year ago yesterday, I sent my first question to my friend saying, hey, what do you got to do to start a podcast a year ago yesterday? And here we are. And what that means is I messaged you because Alexander and I've been messaging for a minute. I messaged him, you know, seconds after wanting to start a podcast and we're finally getting to chat. So I really am just a random person trying to do what I can in my part of the world to make uh, to make a difference, you know, and I'm really 
really excited because it seems to me like my man Alexander is doing the same thing. So uh, for those of you who don't know Alexander, I found him uh, via a Spectrum News article about this thing called Legacy Farms. And I was like, yo, what's this? So I, I looked into it a little bit further. Um, and it seems to be this really dope initiative that Alexander has started. So um, I'm going to ask him to give us just a little bit of, a, of an introduction to, to this enterprise that he has. Um, and, and we'll go from there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Legacy Farm started uh, two two reasons. One, um, running a co-op, we spend a lot of money on produce, and we noticed that we were not spending that money with a lot of people who look like us. Mm-hmm. And it's important, um, kind of, for that to happen. When you're living in poverty, um, you need to figure out different ways to not be impoverished. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. So. So Legacy Farms is an opportunity for people to lease, to own um, a 10,000 square foot plot and grow. And the food co-op, depending on what you grow, will purchase uh, the products from those growers. So it's an opportunity for those who want to grow but don't know where to sell it, can't afford to buy land like outright, mm-hmm. uh, may, may not have good credit, so they mm-hmm. can't get a loan, but this is an opportunity for them to come, um, rent this land out, and then after year five, they can own it. And wow. the reason and the reason we have a five-year wait is because we're trying to create a community, mm-hmm. right? One of the mistakes I made with the co-op is when I opened it, I just opened, when I just opened up to everybody. Hey, everybody come on out. And then you see people who don't really mean the vision any good. Mm-hmm. So you have to weed those folks out. And it's just very, very, very tough because you think that when you want to do something that's good for the community and good for everybody, that everybody will like it and want to be on board. Yep. But there'll be, you know, there are people who will try to destroy it just to spite you. Absolutely. And anyway. there, always, there always is. Isn't that so weird? You're like, bro, I am not getting, I'm not getting compensated for this. I am just trying to do this thing to make the world a better place. And then you see people come from within and try to come at you. Is that not the strangest thing? You know, man, I, I look, we, I had uh, people in the city, this, this small faction. They're like, oh, yeah, he's buying his vegetables from a brownfield, and that's why he can do it cheap. That's why he can – and it was like, no, stupid. I do it cheap because we're poor. Exactly. <laughs> no, stupid. Listen up. Listen up. We, we understand our social setting here, and I'm just right. trying to – like, we're poor. I'm trying to make this workable for all of us, you know? Man, right. I- It's always like everybody thinks like, oh, this is a good idea. But when one person steps up and takes that initiative, they're trying to come at your throat or like come at you sideways and be like, listen, he's doing this for this reason or that reason. And you're like, I'm trying to help you. Right. (laughs) That's wild. So um, where is so you started with the co-op. So how long ago did you start the co-op? 2016. Wow. Okay. cool. So you've been at this for a minute. Yeah, we have we have a presence in. We have uh, physical locations in Niagara Falls and Buffalo. Awesome. But we serve everyone. Okay. We serve from, um, I don't know if I'm doing it right, but like Akron, like Lockport, Akron, all the way through, 
issue close to Cataractus County because wow. we have there's a pantry, a church pantry out there that we supply. Okay. So we go through a bunch of different counties. Man, that's so cool. I just, I think one of the coolest things that I saw, because I, you know, I was like, oh, this is dope, like a, a, an opportunity for people to rent own farmland because, like, you know, no matter how urban we get as a culture, there is something about working with the land, right? So I got yeah, in, I got into your article for that. And then I saw the co-op and then I started investigating all of the advocacy that you're doing in general. And what I think is the dopest thing about what you're doing is that it's holistic. It's not just one thing. You are looking to make moves that empower everybody from start to finish, especially people, like you said, who, who are black and urban and live in, um, you know, live in areas that are underserved and, uh, and are not able to access, you know, fresh produce. That's, that's some genius next level thinking, in my opinion. Well, I appreciate that. But, and here's the thing too, because while we're talking about organizing, I'm definitely black forward, black mm -hmm. first, because that's what I am. Mm -hmm. But what I've noticed is um, I have more in common with, in some regards, I have more in common with a poor white person than a rich black person. Yo. And, right, so if we could, if we could somehow organize, um, because they tell, they tell poor white people, hey, at least you're not an N-word. Right? That's basically what they get. Yes, that's you know that's what exactly I mean? what that's exactly what they've done from the beginning to separate us. Yeah. And they treat you treat treat poor white people like trash, but then they tell them it's the black person's fault that you're being treated like trash. Yeah, they sure do. And the, and the black person's like, dude, we can't affect your life in any way. Like, <laughs> we don't have the power or the money to affect you. Yeah, in any way, the people that are spree and it's like this. It's like it's funny. It's like everybody's getting screwed, right, on different levels, right? So, like, if you're white, you know, you, you get you get the tip and, like, some of the shaft. Yep. And then if you're a person of color, they're born deep in these. And it's just like everybody knows. Everybody knows they're getting screwed, yep. right? Um, but, like, nobody is, is punching the person, wielding the, you know, like, yes. we're fighting each other and we're both getting screwed. Yeah. And you know what's wild is that's the way that, you know, I used to be really disenchanted. And this is a point of privilege for me, which I, I, I fully acknowledge because I didn't know this from the beginning. My lived experience didn't teach me this, but I learned through proximity to people who were marginalized in other ways. Right. I learned that the system isn't broken. The system is is working as it was designed. And and, and that was that was a big realization for me. And I had to, I have to. And continually have to admit that that was a point of privilege that I didn't grow up knowing that. But from the beginning of our country, it was indentured uh, white, you know, servants and and black yeah. or it was a, yeah like indentured white servants and enslaved black people. And we got together and we were like, "Fuck this shit, man! Let's burn down the Capitol." And then after that, they're like, "Oh, we got to come up with a way to separate them." And all it took was one idea, which was at least you're white and not black. And that was the whole dividing force. Yep. Because if we if we really start to say, look, you're broke. Me too. Mm -hmm. Well, I work hard every day, and so do you. Yep. Why are we broke? Like we we don't deserve to be, you know, robbing Peter to pay Paul and deciding between food and light. Like we we 
but the the one percent, two percent, three percent, yep, you know, are getting rich off of us. Yep. And we we you know, and it was crazy. So in in the and they they made the playing field so crazy that even when you try to come out of poverty, there are so many obstacles. Like yeah. for example, um black African American women, you know, by the most like uh when it comes to like hair weaves, right? Mm-hmm. White women do it too. Um but like just per capita, right? Yep. So I was thinking, hey, we should do a hair store. Like we got a food co op, we need to do a hair co op, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, when you start calling these hair suppliers, you find out that these people who are already in my neighborhood who don't look like me, who don't give back to the neighborhood at all, have exclusivity contracts with the hair people. Yo. So even if I said, you know what, I want to do this, get hair, and I want to hire people from the neighborhood, and you know, like I'm like we're doing with the co-op. Oh, uh, we would we would have to find a place like in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And I've actually thought about this. I'd have to get a warehouse in Pennsylvania, get the stuff shipped there, and then truck it up here just to be able to compete. Wow. Because the top selling brands and the things like that that people want, these folks have exclusivity contracts. And what happened up here like three or four years ago, Boost Mobile, so we had a brother who had a store um, and it was a variety store. And in that store, he also did like, you could pay your phone bills, right? Mm-hmm. So like he had Boost, he had Cricket, uh, Mobile, like the, you know, like the the, the, like the newer brand, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So uh, someone not from the community opened up a Boost Mobile store next to him, right? And then told Boost that um, because that person has a Boost Mobile store, but all their cousins and their family, they all have, so they're like eight stores. Yeah. So they told Boost, if you allow him to sell Boost, we're going to stop doing business with you. Bro. Right? So this poor old black dude just, I mean, you know, just making it is now his business is damn near crippled because, you know, of what, what you know, they're allowed to do. And that's that privilege. That's that money. That's that power. Yeah. That's that, that master flex, yep. you know? Yeah. And, um, nah, man, it's, it, it's, I keep trying to figure out what I am. Right. Because I'm, I'm not a communist. I'm not really a socialist, although I have social ideas. I'm not a pure capitalist, mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, not doing what I do. <laughs> um, right? So I'm, right. Trying to figure, I'm trying to figure out, like, what the hell my, my term is. I just feel like I'm an economic revolutionary. 
Yeah, no, I think I think that's really I think you're really on to something when you pull on that thread, because so much of your work focuses on economic empowerment, which is huge because um, I've watched. Oh, man, there's a documentary by Killer Mike on Netflix. I'm almost positive you've seen it, but he was talking about how like when a dollar comes into the black community, how quickly it then goes back out. And so it would seem to me that you're 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 like a brother and you're like, listen, how do I how do I make this system that we're forced to live in not continually disenfranchise people who look like me? Uh, because in this, like you're saying right here, like Boost Mobile is still getting paid either way, but you're seeing someone right. come in and the fighting is here when the fighting needs to be here. You know what I mean? And I think you right. really are. What I think is the most fascinating thing is you're almost like an economic um, justice uh, worker from what I've seen. And I think that's incredibly fascinating because we live in a capitalist society. You can't um, you can't just walk away from the chess table and expect to win the game, right? You have to have right. a player, right? Yeah, and 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 I get into arguments with I guess purists, mm -hmm. if you want to call them that, and like, no, oh, we're not going to replace white capitalism with black capitalism. We we need communism, or we need socialism. We need, and I'm like, all of those. Uh, Things have failed in their yes. own respective ways. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, and then people say, well, well, communism wasn't done right because capitalism isn't being done right. Because capitalism is supposed to be a free market society to where anyone can start a business and yep. the quality of your product is what brings you to another level. Yep. But that's not what happens. People nope. start making money and then they start doing things to make it difficult. For other folks to compete. Exactly. And they do it within a system that's already innately based on racism. Like we already know that it is so much harder for someone with black skin to walk into a bank and to acquire a loan. Like these are these are proven facts. And if anyone wants to fight me on it, get the fuck off the feed because we are not even having the same conversation if you can't admit that there's racism in the system. But so here you have almost overlying oppressors uh, or overlapping oppressors of capitalism and racism. And they're all coming down to the point where you're man can't sell his boost mobile and pay his bills you know and instead right. of instead of fighting these bigger systems we're fighting with people and i think maybe perhaps one of the biggest hallmarks of people who are going to be real leaders is they have to attack problems and not people and i see you attacking a problem and i think that that's right. really freaking inspiring because my brain wouldn't have ever gone there it wouldn't have worked that way but your brain is doing that you know yeah for me it just was um I don't know. It just made sense. Like, yeah. you know, some people look at a piano and they know what they know to do with it. Yeah. You know, me, I looked at this and I was like, okay, well, the biggest problem is all of our money goes elsewhere. Mm -hmm. And I tell people, if I could put a blanket around the hood mm -hmm. for its money, like just, you know, because yep. when you think about a blanket, right, a blanket doesn't really keep you warm. Mm -hmm. A blanket just traps in the heat that you're already emitting. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, so if I could put a blanket around us to where the cash that we're spending cycles back through, right? Not. And the thing is, is this is the African Heritage Food Co-op, right? But we mm -hmm. can do an Italian Heritage Food Co-op. We mm -hmm. can do an Irish Heritage Food Co-op, or we can just do a whatever food, a, a this community food co-op. If mm -hmm. there's a lot of different ethnicities in that community, you know. So it stays there. And when you look at 
wealthy communities, that's what happens. Yeah. People live, you know, people work and the stuff that happens there, the money comes back in there, you know, they have it all put together like that. Mm-hmm. For us, you know, I mean, then again, there's so much corruption and craziness. There's like, like, you know, all this COVID money is coming in, Yeah. you know, and if you start tracing it, you're like, what the? <laughs> you Insert know, expletive me, here. <laughs> listen, give me $70 million. Mm-hmm. We'll do something whole, a wholly different with this. What? <laughs> you know <laughs> You know what we would do? Yeah. You know what absolutely. I'm saying? You know, it would be, people would be, you know, if not hard. No. If not, the, the, the solutions aren't hard and you don't have to be overly intelligent to, to do it. Mm-hmm. But you just have to, one, want to do it, and two, be brave enough to stand up against the people who want status quo. Yeah, you know? absolutely. So somebody called me a communist yesterday, day before. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, no, they were trying to help me. Kind of. It was, oh, let me help you package what you're doing, because you just sound like a socialist, communist kind of person, you know, talking about a co-op. You know, let me let me help you reword it to where and I'm just like. Sure. Nah, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So it's almost, it's almost like, <clears throat> it's almost like you have this like e- economic colonization happening too, because in, in a poor community, you'll have um, different people from different communities come in and set up stores and invest in stuff because they're able to, they have the, the social and economic mobility to come into your literal hood, your literal space, right. And yeah. set up a business. And so they're coming in from outside and then they're taking the money back outside and you're just stuck there. They're spending. And it seems like you're really trying to flip that script um, economically and um, nutritionally where you're trying to make that instead of everything going right back out, you're trying to pour it into these areas that are in need of those resources. Yeah. And the war on poverty attacks everything but poverty. Yeah. You know, oh, let's do this because this affects poverty this way. Let's do that because that affects poverty this way. Why not put money in folks' pockets? Yeah. Like, why don't we? Because that affects poverty directly. It sure you know does. What I'm <laughs> yeah, they don't. They don't want that because with economic benefits, um, uh, power. What yep. in the world? Why well, I don't understand why people play music that I have to hear in their car. Like I, the music in my car is for me. <laughs> exactly. Can <laughs> we keep this separated? <laughs> yeah, like I eat that, and it's like I don't know. Like I used to take the bus, and um, people would get on with no headphones and play their music like i don't need a live dj no i like, do not I don't, I don't i hate that i hate it so much it's the worst Oh man, I miss that. I miss that, uh, you know, element of uh, public transit when I lived in the city. You know, you got someone, I can hear someone's entire conversation with their baby mama and how things are going wrong. I can hear someone's like their EP and all of it all at once. And I'm like, I'm just trying to get home. (laughs) Now, now, and here's the thing. Now, here's the thing. And I'm thinking about doing this, but people want to get mad. Now, if you are on speakerphone, 
your conversation is now public. So I feel like I'm a part of this now. Yeah. Right? yeah. So, no, Sheila, he lying. He's saying, Sheila, I can see his face right now. Yeah. Now, if I did that, I'm the bad guy, right? Right, um, but it's public. It's in public space now. So who, who are you going to come at? <laughs> right. But, you know. I love it. I'm not wrong. So, so tell anyway. me, so tell me about, um, why, why farming? Because I think someone recently called me out, um, in, in the best kind of way, like a, like a, a step up your game kind of way, because I referred to urban areas and, and well, actually not even just urban. I was referring to rural areas at first, um, but areas that are characterized by poverty, both rural and urban, um, in their, their, you know, uh, proximity to supermarkets, right? I defined that with the use of the word food desert, but someone actually pointed out to me to use the word food desert is not fair because deserts are self-sustaining systems. So this is, you know, food deserts aren't naturally occurring things. They're created by systems of poverty because, you know, there are, there are small towns in rural Pennsylvania and Western New York that, that don't have supermarkets, just as there are entire blocks of, of cities that don't have access to food markets. So um, tell me what, got you into the to the food kind of justice aspect of the work that you do like how did that yeah. rise up for you well yeah we call um, we call it food apartheid yes um, yes that's what they said i was it was slipping my mind you're 100 yeah. correct yep um but because and and even more with the food deserts food deserts yeah they 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 uh occur naturally mm -hmm. so this the the fact that you have all these people and no no food for them that's not a natural occurrence. That is counterintuitive. You have to do that on purpose because typically when a whole bunch of people are gathered, one of the first things they need is, okay, let's get a market. Yep. Absolutely. Food and food and water, primary so, basic concerns. Yeah. So for me, if they if they can control your food, they can control you. Yeah. Um my entire Raison d'etre is uh, autonomy. Mm -hmm. People being able to do what the hell they need to do for themselves and their families um, that doesn't hurt other people, right? Mm -hmm. So if so, if a person, say a person's queer, that has nothing to do with me. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like that's your life, yeah, right? And people want to burn down buildings and do stupid shit over something that doesn't even impact them mm -hmm. directly. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Or otherwise, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Well, your house is your business. Yep. And I feel that for like, you know, I shouldn't have to ask a white person's permission to exist. Absolutely, 100%. You know what I mean? I shouldn't yep. have to ask a white person's permission to start a business, to get a loan, to but everything that I need, I have to go through a white person to get. Yeah. Right? For the most part. Yeah. And when you look at the history of white people and black people, um, that's not too positive. Right. You know? Um, and not all, but just like the... the, the Generally speaking. Yep, absolutely. Generally. Yep. Right? So, so that you, you can't go to the oppressor to not be oppressed. You you have to uh, you know what I mean mm -hmm. get your own uh, shackles off. Yeah. So so I know I needed to do something. When you look at what's killing African Americans more than you know homicide, 
because mm-hmm. that's not the major killer of African Americans, even right. though the media tries to tell always, you that. Always, always. Um, it's health. Yeah. And more specifically, it's health related to eating. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a quote in this show called Luke Cage I used to watch, and it said, uh, the fork could kill you faster than a bullet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when you look at hypertension, diabetes, stroke, heart attack, right? Um, you look at what we were forced to eat um, in enslavement. Yeah. And um, and so so there's that. So I know that we needed to eat better. We needed control of that stuff mm-hmm. because here's here's the here's what's even worse. You say, um, I I go to the doctor. I find out I have diabetes. Now I need to eat different. I need to eat better, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Where am I going to do that? Yeah. You know, I end up going to the corner store. If the corner store has fruits and vegetables, they're awful. Yeah. Right? They're expensive. Yep. Right? So now the chips and, and the kids going to the store, chips are 50 cents. Yep. The apple's a dollar. Yep. Yep. I saw a dollar. And the thing is, that just shows what you're allowed to do in certain neighborhoods. Yes. You could not. You couldn't have an apple that price unless it was like organic, came from Portugal, you yeah. know, just something. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. That, that's yeah. when you get, but just regular old New York State Empire apple, yeah, a dollar. Yeah, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, get out of here, man. I, like that's crazy. <laughs> right. So, so yeah. So that's that's how that that's how that started. And um, there's this article that the USDA was forced to publish um, about the racist effect of the New Deal. Mm-hmm. So the New Deal gave a lot of subsidies and monies to farms, mm-hmm. but it put the power in the hands of the state to distribute those funds. So what happened is the black man went to get, he needed a tractor, couldn't get the tractor. Mm-hmm. He needed to get this, couldn't get that. The money was there, but they didn't give it to him. Mm-hmm. They gave it to the white person, right? So a lot of black folk end up having to sell their land mm-hmm. okay. because they couldn't they, they couldn't get what they needed to maintain and go right. for you know. Right, right. Um, so land was stolen. Yeah. Again. Again. Stole Again. Stolen. <laughs> Again, right? So it's like when I bought uh, the farm out there, I just wanted to give people an opportunity to get back what was stolen. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because if you look at I mean, if you're looking at the history of slavery, like that's what you were. You were farming like and like you said, they stole you and then they fucking stole your land. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. Like, how many more things are you going to steal from the same group of people? Anything they can. We know that now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> otherwise, it's crazy. It's crazy. Like, I can't, I for the life of me, cannot understand people who try to deny these things. They are facts. Like, they happen. You know what I mean? And and I never really thought about that New Deal piece because, um, admittedly, like, I'm not uh, a history buff. You know what I mean? But I've been learning so much recently, especially since this past summer, 
um, through different intersections of social activism about American history and just more and more seeing those pieces that were were literally racism baked into the system. You know what I mean? There's yeah. a there's a guy named Mark Charles. He's a, an, a Native American uh, historian and philosopher or uh, theologist. And he gave a TED talk about how the phrase we the people is the absolute most misleading phrase in American history because it was never about we the people. He His TED talk is dope. He's actually coming on the podcast in a few weeks. Um, but he All talks right. about how just a few um, rows down from the phrase we the people, it goes on to say you have to be a white land-owning male for you to be a part of we the people. There's no women. There's no indigenous people. Black people aren't even a whole person. So we the people is, is the social construct that we're trying to build on. But we the people never met we the people. You know what I mean? It just, it wasn't a thing. Yeah. It's always been Colostra Nostra. Yeah. Like the literal interpretation of Colostra Nostra is this thing of ours. And that's what America's been for land-owning white males. Always. This, this thing of ours. Yep. Right? That's what this is about. So when you, when you say, hey, I'm a person, mm -hmm. I got rights. And they're like, oh, not really. Nope. We didn't, Sorry. We, we didn't build. We didn't build this for you to have rights. Yep. They never um, did. They never did. Right. And it's just like, for me, I'm just so sick of the bullshit, man. I'm sick of, I'm sick of having to fight for things that are already mine. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. So my, my right to be is already mine. Yes, absolutely. It's intrinsic. Right? So, Yep. Right. <laughs> I exist, so I exist. Yeah, exactly. It's not. It, it needs no outside justification. It needs no other clarification. Like I am, therefore I I matter. Therefore I exist. Therefore I have rights. Like these things are intrinsic, and we right. we have to actively subvert systems that are that try to say otherwise. And I think what's really interesting about what you're doing. Um, and I, I, before I did, uh, I, I own a salon right now. And before I did that, I was a social worker for almost 10 years and I worked both on the ground level and then in, um, in management, you know what I mean? Like administration and stuff. And so I saw that there's, there's always a two pronged approach that has to be taken in terms of social justice, because you have to have direct service, right? You have to have someone on the ground working, but you can only be so effective if policies that are, um, you know, corrupt or or racist or whatever, if those policies exist, you can only be so effective. And so I right. think it's really cool because you're attempting to take on both of those prongs in your work right now. You're saying, you know, I'm taking my land back. First of all, I'm taking my land back. I'm giving it to the people that you guys stole it from. And then you're saying, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to fight the system by building a system that we don't, we don't need anybody else. I mean, that's very, um, from my understanding, that's very Black Panther. Um, uh, Black Panther is kind of an ethos. Like you don't want to make a just system. We'll build our own system. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, Black Panthers, uh, the Nation of Islam, yep. uh, Marcus Garvey, yeah. uh, Booker T. Washington, um, you know, and many others. Yeah. But, you know, we do. And, you know, there's a lot of, of hate and fight. Like, mm -hmm. what's weird, what scares me, not enough for me to stop, but what mm -hmm. scares me sometimes is Right now, like, I'm just like some voice out in the literal wilderness. Yeah. 
inviting people to do stuff, right? Yeah. My worry is what happens when people really start to believe me? Yeah, 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 yeah. And really start to to work together and start to build this thing that I already see. Right. You know, what does that mean for me at that point? Exactly. Like once, once right now is, is never threatening when there's one crazy dude out in the desert. Right. Like it does like a, I, I, I'm a admittedly like a Bible. Uh, I'm, I'm in seminary right now. So I, I might be out of category, but whatever. I, I'm reading the Bible a lot these days. And you're, there's one crazy, there's one crazy guy out in the desert saying, look at me. But then the moment that people start following him, that's when they're like, oh shit. You know what I mean? No problem. Yep. That's the moment when the empire gets concerned. Right. So I, I worry about that sometimes, but I'm hoping that what I'm trying to put together, if I if I'm successful, is leaderless. Yes. Yes. So there'd be so many people and and so many prongs that you could kill me or yep. you could kill somebody, but the movement doesn't stop. Exactly. And, yeah. So that's kind of what what I want to build. And that's why everything I do is like a we and an us because if it's me well one thing I did is I went back and I researched different movements Uh right I looked in my hood right and I'm like we've had some great leaders Mm -hmm. why the hell does the neighborhood still look like the neighborhood right right because well one it's racism and white supremacy yeah that's two, I guess. But beyond that, beyond those things, you have um, movements based on charismatic leaders, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So if you assassinate the leader, either in character mm-hmm. or literally, then the movement goes away. Yeah. Sorry about that. Then the movement goes away. So I wanted to make sure that I didn't make that mistake. Right. And I wanted to make sure that there was secession planning. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Um, so if I said, okay, this is Alex's grocery store, right? Then let's say I do well. But I do well enough to send my kids to private schools and now they want to be doctors and lawyers because somebody told them being a grocer wasn't good enough. Right. Um, and now I'm 80 trying to run a grocery store. Exactly. Yeah. There's no, there's no next generation there. Right. But if I do it, if it's a co-op, yep. then the community is involved and it may not be my son or daughter. Yep. It may be your son or daughter or your person. Yep. And, um, you know, that, that's what I'm about more than anything. Yeah. But what's weird is sometimes it puts you in like this paternal role mm-hmm. that people don't like. But you say, okay, step up. Yeah, step step up. The, the, the field is open. You know what I mean? You know, step, you don't want, you don't want me to leave Okay, lead. No, exactly. You don't want to lead. You don't want to follow, and you don't want to get out the way. So what? What do we do then? (laughs) 
right? So then I got to take on the uh, the the mindset of move or we'll move you. Yeah, absolutely. You know, absolutely. and and that's weird because of the person who's about us and we. But that's the same reason Harriet Tubman carried a gun. Yeah, yeah. You know, look, we're not going back. Yeah. You came this far. If you don't keep going, yeah. you're getting shot. Yeah, <laughs> it's so true. And there's always this tension. It's so, so hard. Um, as someone who finds themselves frequently in leadership situations, uh, I just haven't have a skill set that, you know, uh, really yeah. lets me be that guy a lot. But um, as someone who finds themselves in leadership situations, there's always people who are trying to come at you saying you're doing it for your ego. But really, if I was doing this for my ego, I would be doing something that made me a hell of a lot more money and left me with some physical safety. It is not an ego-based thing to be the person I am in the rural area that I am. It's not an ego-based thing for you to step up and be like, we need to move and we need to move together. So there's always this tension when you're in a sort of um, social justice or leadership role where it's like, I ne it needs to be we, but if it's not going to be we, it's going to be me. And, and, and people, I think sometimes, like you said, they'll try to assassinate your character because of that. And it's not always people from the outside. Sometimes it's people from the inside, but like, we got to go forward, people. We have to. And if you can get those people to exert that same energy toward the movement, yes. right? And the thing is, like, I've even worked with people where I'm like, okay, well, look, why don't you lead this part? Mm -hmm. You know, why don't you know what? Hey, you're good at this, right? Yep. Why don't you lead this part? Yep. They they don't show up. They're they're inconsistent. Yes. Right. Yeah. And and then you got to pick it back up. Yes, you're preaching to the goddamn choir right now. Yeah. So now. <laughs> pick it back up and then they're like oh well i'm doing this i'm doing that no no no, we're not doing this we're doing it like that we're gonna do yeah. it like that yeah yeah well don't have an attitude yeah. right because and also what happened what happens with to me is it goes from our thing to my thing depending on the responsibility right 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 so when the cameras are around like i had one guy was getting girls off of wearing a shirt talking about yeah i'm one of the founding members i'm so so you're boom right yeah and and this dude wanted to come when he wanted to come like he just didn't have the commitment but the way he was talking to those women you would think that he was a, i had somebody really tell me oh you work for so-and-so right and i'm like <laughs> yeah i guess i guess i uh, guess that's what it is but we're gonna have a conversation when i go back to his office <laughs> well okay yeah <laughs> Yeah. And the uh, thing is, is like we only have so much energy like as as humans. And I think we even have to look at like look at movements in almost terms of being a vehicle. We only have so much fuel and we cannot spend our energy going down these side roads because there is there is too much at stake. And so it becomes an either move or get out the way kind of situation where oh, I hate that because like we don't have enough people in both your area and my area. We don't have enough people to be divided. We do not. It takes all of us. Right. Cause the thing is, is because you're working with a smaller mass already, mm -hmm. you know, when 30% aren't in that's a, that means a lot, that is you know, huge. you know, we're not general motors where, mm -hmm. okay. 10% is, you know, whatever, yep. but you still got a big ass 90% to work with. Yeah, exactly. But I think what I've learned is that you soldier on. Mm -hmm. I've had people jump on 
jump off, mm-hmm. jump back on. And I say, okay, the train is moving, but I leave the door open. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I'm no. never going to say no to anybody, but please understand that I'm not going to pause. Like we're already going down the track, you know? Right. And you're not going to be in a position of uh, leadership or a position of trust yeah. until I can trust you until you're consistent. So yep. if you were um, here and then you dipped, you left. Yeah. When you come back, you don't come right back to where you were. Right. Now you got to, you know, bag the vegetables. You can't be up here trying to make these decisions. Be here consistent. And then it's funny because the one guy I had a problem with, he was a, uh, he was a farmer. Like he liked to grow stuff. Mm -hmm. I was like, bro, stick with, stick with us. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to set it up to where we have land and you can farm it. You can run it. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Now, here I am, 22 acres. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And he, and he would have been the man. Yeah. For the automated farm manager. He would, and this is, you know, and neither unrelated, they're, they're connected, but they're not through the same, you know, business. Uh-huh. So he, he would have had it right now. Yeah. Yeah. He would be, he would be, and I'm not a person who, you know, if, if I have somebody like I throw people in front of the cameras. Yeah. 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 But like, you know, I do what I have to do, but if there's someone else, anybody else there. Yeah. You know, Oh bro, tell me, you're the farm manager. You do this. You do the interview. Yeah. Let them know. You know, just make sure you hit these three points, but whatever you do after that. Cool. Freelance. Yep. <laughs> you know, but it, it's, it's just so weird. Well, I don't, you're not my daddy. You don't have to have a plan for me you don't have a plan for you so someone has to and it might not be for you but understand it's for this movement because i got more in it than i got more in, there's more at stake than your ego there's more in it at stake than my ego so someone's got to just make sure the the train is still rolling you know what i mean i think that's a big i really see that as a big issue that we have to overcome when we're trying to step into a leadership role and like sometimes i'm not even trying to step in like i'm gonna get pushed in or dragged in because i have a certain yep. skill set but like there needs to be a horizontal leadership. And I think that's one of the coolest things that I've seen um, from the Black Lives Matter movement, like the movement capital, you know, capital BLM um, is they're very focused on that horizontal structure because like people are going to get tired too. Like sometimes it's not even going to be a moral thing. Like it's going to be right. like, a, I'm tired, but the movement has to still have juice left. You know what I mean? If I'm tired. And so I think that if we could somehow get people to check their egos at the door now that's getting into some psychology and I'm not like trying to fuck with it, but if we could somehow build a system where we are in it for each other's skin as, as much as anything else, maybe that makes a difference. You know, maybe it does. I I think that the way we view selfishness is myopic. Mm -hmm. I think altruism is the truest form of selfishness. Okay. And, and, and the reason I, I say that is when things are better for those around you, mm-hmm. they can also be better and it enhances your life. That's true, yeah. So if my neighbor is doing well, my neighbor is not robbing me. Yeah, yeah. My neighbor not out there with a crack pipe, more than likely. Nope. My neighbor is not, right? My, when my neighbor has their own family, they have their own things and in their health and wealth and you know 
when my neighbor has those things, they're not trying to steal mine. Right. They're not trying to, you know, so if you have 20 guys uh, at a bar and they have good jobs, right? They might scuffle. They might argue. They, right? Mm-hmm. No one's going to get a gun coming back, blowing the place up. No. No, no. one. Everybody got to work in the morning. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Somebody might get punched in the eye. Boom, boom. I, I have a beer. It's over. Right. right? But because you have lives, you have futures, you have something to lose, right? Yeah. But when you act like it's me, mine, and let everybody else fall to the Mm -hmm. wayside, right? Now you have to spend millions on security. Yeah, 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 yeah. 500,000 into the community and you wouldn't have had that need for the security. Yeah, that's so true. I definitely remember um, back in one of my undergraduate classes where we talked about that idea, like, is there a true altruism? Um, Because a lot of people say, like, I'm just doing this for other people. But deep down somewhere, like, you get something from being altruistic. And so maybe we just need to be uh, admitting that and, like, realizing that by helping other people, I am helping myself. But by helping myself, I'm only helping myself. And so maybe you got to see that, like you said, you got to pull back that lens, not have that myopic viewpoint and kind of understand this in a bigger context, you know? Right. I agree. We have to. And and once we start doing that, because here's the thing, we we can't pretend that people don't look out for themselves. Right. 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 It's a biological thing. It's self-preservation. That's why you can't bite through your skin. Right. Unless you're on something, typically, because you can't hurt yourself. Like, yep. you know, what I mean? like we're not built that way. Yeah. Um, so, so we have to start selling it like that. We got to use the tools they use against us, against them, right? Media, yeah. um, advertising. We got to. We, we have to do those kind of things and start showing people like the salesman stuff, right? Yeah. We have to, and it's crazy because you, you shouldn't have to sell something that people need. Like, you know, right? let me package this justice in a way that you can, right? Right, yeah. Why, like, why do we have to have an ad campaign for apples when uh, candy bars just sell themselves? Like, not, not to bring it all back to food, but also there's a yeah. parallel there. Why do we have to prove that we need to do this when it's blatantly in our self-interest to do this? Like, but I think that's a thing that a lot of social justice movements miss out on is you got to sell it. Like you need your content producers. You need your social media marketers. You need your graphic designers. Like I'll tell you right off the bat, I've been involved in a lot of nonprofits and stuff, but like my first thought when I see a bad website is like, I don't know if I should give my money to that group. You know what I mean? And so we have to help people understand that all of that like will help the movement which will help them and it's all connected we got to tap into all those areas and I think that's why um, intersectional social justice movements are so crucial because we can't just do this little part we need to do it all and so we have to rely on other people and other communities um, to rise up you know yeah and and so I'm hoping that you know I meet more allies like yourself out in the rural areas yeah um in that we can build um something yeah that that we can that i can also build here in the urban setting yeah that can work together cross-sectionally 
Absolutely. Yeah. As you're, as you're saying it, I'm getting like goosebumps a little bit, getting like all these ideas because the reality is, is that we are in the same geographical area, you and I are. And, um, and there's, there's no reason that we couldn't be supporting each other um, in these various ways. You know what I mean? Like you said, even like you said, with the hair supply stuff, like the first thing that came to my mind is my wife uh, and I own a salon. So we're always looking for goods. We're always looking for um, different hair products, especially when it comes to African-American hair products, because we can't get them here, but people come to us because they see that we're different than everybody else in our town, you know? And there's, there's so much important work to be done, especially in rural areas, because I think a lot of people spend time studying urban poverty, but what they don't realize is that in our area, and I would classify you as part of our region, right? Our region is fairly rural. Like you get 10 minutes outside Buffalo and it's like crazy. We have to, as social justice workers, we have to do the work of building um, connections across, you know, geographic boundaries. Cause that's one of our biggest barriers, I think, to overcome poverty is some of our environmental barriers you know yeah and and i really think that the movement as i see it i think you you work a lot in the city mm-hmm. i think the city work there's a lot of just deep entrenched old boys yeah network right yes absolutely and we've been trying to fight this in the city for like decades forever yeah yeah you know if you i think that you know if you get a hundred people to move out in a rural area you know and contribute to that area economically yep socially you have a better chance of of creating something and not that there's not old boys network in rural areas because right. are right, right. But it becomes a numbers game. Exactly. We had so like for our first protest that we had here in town, which was just largely spontaneous, um, and it 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 coalesced because of the national media attention, right? Like we, no one in town could have organized it as a single entity and got the the turnout that we did. It was because it was trending nationally. But we had three hundred people at the first rally that we had 300 people now get this this is about to blow your mind right if you look at the demographics 300 people was the same margin of votes that decided our last mayoral election in Olean. what the fuck <laughs> like if, if you could get 300 people solid in a rural area you can make a difference you know and, yeah. and that is incredibly true uh, and there are entrenched systems but like you said there's a little bit of a numbers game that comes into play so maybe we make some smart investments in rural america and we realize that rural america is america you know right and and could you imagine like if you come out there and you have like people like say like dope people who are already in the fight who yep. live out yep. and then you come out there and you bring two three hundred people join that fight yep. right now you know everybody has to listen yep. because oh well you you won't be mayor you exactly. won't be mayor. You, oh you don't want to hear oh that's cool we'll replace you <laughs> exactly you know see you later 
And much in the same way, like if if people from only and thinking just of our racial breakdown, you know, most people who come to our shit are white because just by the demographics, even if we got every black person in town to come, there'd still be more white people, you know what I'm saying? But there is a chance there too to lend some intersectional privilege, I think, to movements too, and come in and, 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 and stand behind someone like yourself, not in front of, but behind someone like yourself and be like, we fucking see you. Right. And there's I yeah. think there's a moment there where I don't think privilege is always bad, but I think not acknowledging it is. Um, and there's a really cool dude in our town. His name's Mike. And he uh, he runs a, a nonprofit in town and he is he is your token white guy, but he is the most aware and helpful white guy. And he's actually um, when a brick went through my business's window, uh, he came with me. He came to me and he said, I will go to the police station with you because I am a token cis straight white guy. And so I think that's kind of a moment where we can lend our privileges and skills in the same manner. You know what I mean? Like you could lend, you could be like, listen, I know we've got a community. We're going to bring some people. We're going to show up in numbers. And then we could be like, listen, I know like I look like a white dude, even though I'm, even though my story is much more complex than that, I can show up for you and be a white dude. You know what I mean? I think you got to work with those intersections instead of run from them. You know what? I think um, if you if you share the privilege, mm-hmm. right? So, like, if I'm if uh, sometimes I'll be the fake boyfriend. So yeah. if we're are right, and you know, a woman is like, you know, you meet somebody and they're cool, and they're like, oh, could you be my fake boyfriend? Because yep. I don't really want to be harassed tonight. Now, she shouldn't need a fake boyfriend not to be harassed. She should be able to go to a bar and Correct. enjoy herself regardless. Yeah. You know what I mean? But if I can lend her my privilege so she can have a good time, yeah. then by all means. I love that. That gives some that gives me some really good words, which I'm, I'm going to do what every uh, pastor or religious figure does, which is steal other smart people's words and use them. <laughs> well, I'm going to use that analogy like of sharing the privilege. And I think that's yeah. it. I don't think I, I, I wonder now this is something I'm just processing as I say it. So if it's stupid, just be like pass and we'll move on to the next thing. But you know how there's this concept of there's enough food to feed everybody in the world, but the systems are broken. I wonder if there's like, if there's a similar analogy we can draw with privilege, like, like that when privilege is spread out as it should be, and we say, fuck the system, I'm going to subvert the system and use my privilege in a way that it wasn't intended, but it should be. Maybe there's, maybe there's, there's more privilege that the, we would realize and be able to utilize if we just did it intersectionally, you know? Imagine if men use the privilege to make the world safer for women. Yeah, 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 yeah. Instead of of using it to harm and, you know what I mean? Like, what what if you created, we created a place where, you know, all the ladies and uh uh lgbtqia i mess it up no you're good you're good i i, I give you my stamp of approval yeah <laughs> they all thank you you know i can say i have a gay friend so you don't know yes <laughs> no now i got a couple of you you're not alone sorry uh but the thing um to where because i remember in law school um i had a friend who um was trans and um, he wanted to go to the gym, mm-hmm. you know, and he asked me, could you go to the gym with me? Because, yep. you know, 
people would fuck with him. Yep. Yep. You know what I'm saying? And okay, cool. And and I'm I'm a natural like defender. So I went to the gym like on shit. Just like <laughs> come just at like, me. Yeah. I fucking yeah. dare you. Say something. Say something. You know, but we we gotta we gotta do that. We gotta yeah. we gotta do that with each other. And and we have to be wise enough and trust each other enough to let each other lead when the privilege can be used, right? So Absolutely. for example, so like, okay, if I'm somewhere and people know you, respect you, mm-hmm. you you're that person, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna let you talk. I'm gonna let you introduce me, you know what I mean? Like, yep. right? Because in this area, they hear you, they yeah. don't hear me. Yes. Yeah. There's this, there's an exchange of social capital that happens. And I think like we've kind of been, we've just kind of been dancing around this in a circle, but like coming closer every time I say it, but, but like, let the social capital be used when it can be used because listen, we're, we're fucking beating them at their own game when we do that. Cause yep. I'm coming in. I'm like, you, you cannot deny my credibility. Cause you fucking know me. You see me every right. day. You know, my character, you know what I do in my community. And this dude, Alex, he has my stamp of approval. So you might not give him two thoughts, but you're going to now. Right. And we're going to call right. him out on, you know? Yeah, man. And I think that's cool. And I, and I just hope that, um, you know, the people that are watching this or, you know, hearing this, maybe they're in the kitchen cooking while they have it on, Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, link up. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like link up and and be the change where you are. Yeah. You I know? love that. I love that. You know, I just you know, because if every there's a coach you say, uh, and, he, and he was like country, so he said it quick. Everybody do a little, everybody, everybody gotta do a lot. Everybody do a little, everybody gotta do a lot. And basically what he said, I'll slow it down. Yeah. Everybody does a little, no one has to do a lot. Absolutely. Right. And 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 I just, you know. I got to run to a next Zoom call I have. but That's yeah, all good. But, um, you know, thank you, man, for this time. Yeah. Um, we need to link, link. Yeah, we know. do. We got to make that happen. Let's, I don't know if you like beer or drinks, but let's I do, do it. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do. Would you do me a real solid real quick? I'm going to get you at you after this about, about hooking up. But um, would you just real quick let me know if there's a way or can you share with the people who are going to be watching this? Is there a way that they can contact you to support your work or to just like offer their accolades or whatever? You know what I mean? I'm not letting any haters through, but however they can contact you. Yeah, yeah um, you can definitely email us at legacyfarms at gmail.com, legacyfarms at gmail.com. Right. We're on um, Facebook, Legacy Farms. Um, and, you know, just message us, reach out. Um, and then from there, you know, we have numbers and stuff too. Cool. Um, but I don't know. Well, I don't, what's the, what's the age, what's the demographic of your, of your, are we- they more we got everybody 18 to like 80s watching this. Okay. So it's very intersectional group. Okay. So 716-382-8627. 716-382-8627. You can call. You can email. Um, you can now, for Legacy Farms, we need people who are experienced in farming. Okay. We have new people out there. Um, we're going to need... Um, you know, any, any kind of assistance, any assistance that people are willing to offer, we're, yeah. we're here. 
All right. We will send out, um, I'll send this out through conversations, but then I'll also send it out through the Olean Regional Justice Coalition and see if we can put the word out because we definitely have farmers in this area. So um, I got to say thank you so much. This was a, a very refreshing conversation. I will put all this info in the show notes and I can't wait to talk to you again, my man. You have a great night. Thanks, man. You too. Appreciate it. See you later. All right. Bye. Thank you so much, everybody, for watching. This has been Conversations with Leo WT. I'm definitely going to have to post this also on the official Olean Regional Justice Coalition page because there's definitely some opportunities for some intersectional uh, social justice work here. I got to say that I'm really excited to have talked to Alexander. Um, I'm really encouraged because it reminded me that, that there is enough privilege and there are enough resources to go around. But like he said when he was wrapping up, we have to connect. It takes all of us. If if everybody does a little, we don't. No one person should have to do a lot. So let's join hands and let's work together. We all know there's much work to be done in our area. So let's 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 join hands and let's link up and let's move into the future together for progress instead of staying stuck individually here in the status quo because the status quo only works for the people it was designed to work for. Thank you guys so much for watching Conversations. If you want to get more involved, you can go to conversationsofficial.com. My name is Leo WT, and I will see you back here for our next This has been the Conversations Podcast. Thank you so much for joining. If you have any questions or comments or just want to get involved, feel free to join the conversation on social media. You can find us at Conversations Official on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And please don't forget to rate, follow, and share this podcast. We're available on Anchor, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much for joining the conversation.